Hello listeners and welcome to the third season of Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I am the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year our association hosts several leading mental health conferences that allow us the chance to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as we go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand. From lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics, leading community organisations and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. Well, we can all be guilty of a little too much screen time, but when we're raising a new generation of tech-savvy users consistently glued to their devices, how can we make sure that they don't get consumed by the virtual world? Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, gaming, or entertainment such as Netflix or YouTube, the common issue is a lack of ability to turn it off or use it at the appropriate time and place. The question to be asked is how can we empower students to take back control of the screen? Dedicating his work to breaking the addiction of screen time in teenagers is this week's guest, Gary Bruce. Gary is an educator, writer and speaker with over 30 years of teaching and leadership experience across state and independent schools, co-educational and single sex schools and the private sector. He's an accredited coach with ICF and a certified master practitioner with the American Board of Hypnotherapists. Gary is also the founder of Going Beyond Results, providing coaching to empower students to gain control over their technology use and achieve positive outcomes. His programs focus on executive function challenges, uh, such as self-organization, time management, assessment stress, and screen time addiction. Programs are run one-on-one and focused on the needs of the individual student. This week, Gary joins me to discuss technology's addiction in teenagers, uh, its impacts, and how by moving teens into the driver's seat, we can embrace empowerment for them to create their own change. All right, today I would like to welcome to the show, the podcast channel, I'd like to welcome Mr. Gary Bruce. Gary, thanks very much for joining me. You're welcome, Sam. Good to be here. Mate, so tell us about your background before we get into the screen time and, and the addiction behind all that and the solutions that you guys are up to out there and, and doing with Going Beyond Results. Tell us about your background and yourself. How did you come to be where you are? Yeah, Sam, I, I'm education background, uh, so over 30 years as a teacher and administrator in schools. So that was my background. Um, worked regional Queensland up in Rockhampton, Came down to Brisbane, worked out in Logan City at Marsden State High School. It's just won a whole lot of awards. Uh, moved on. I, I was a, a fairly successful rugby union coach, so I ended up at Churchy um, in there with well, the there Blue and Grey. Yeah, and um, did some work there as, as, a, as a, a rugby coach, and then fell into a maths teaching job and became boarding master. Um, you know, dean of studies. Worked through the whole progression of, of jobs at Churchy. Jeez, mate, you've had a diverse role. Yeah, and then moved on from there. And just, just. I'm through the steps, so deputy headmaster and a head of school and those sorts of things, um, and really enjoyed the education side of things, but came to understand that what I truly love is the one-on-one interaction and helping a student work through challenges, find that next step, find the right pathway to go through. So I've ended up transitioning through from administration back into some teaching in the classroom, but also found in going beyond results where I work one-on-one or in small groups with students to help them take the next step um, to overcome challenges, be it executive function skills, be it their, their organisational skills, exam stress, um, procrastination, and one of those that, that's coming up more and more often um, over the last two and a half years has been the negative impacts of screen time, be it their phone, yeah. their iPad, their laptop, um, and it's those negative impacts that really started to become a bigger part of the academic coaching that I was doing. So Gary, you, you were, for 30 years you've been uh, in the education system uh, in one way or another doing really important roles but then at some point you said to yourself I need to uh, set up a consultancy 
Um, and so there, there are children out there that need some more help and guidance, not just on screen time, but we're seeing that coming through now. But, yep. but it first started with the need. What, what were you seeing that need, you said, okay, I want to get out of here and start that? What was that? In a lot of ways, Sam, it was me going through a process of working out what I truly loved about teaching and, and okay. being in the administration saying, well, getting back into the classroom was fantastic. But my role at Churchy when I was there and in other roles as well, but as that Dean of Studies role, really was a lot of one-on-one -on -one sitting down, helping a student to map out what they needed to do in their subjects to be able to achieve the OP score or what they ever needed to get along. Moving on from there, had a lot of mates who had teenage children coming through and Gary, do you mind just chatting to young whoever? Um, they're a little bit off track at the moment. They're going into grade 11. So what started as a, a freebie with me helping out you know, children of, of good friends, people I'd played rugby with and you know, yeah. interacted with, as I was moving through this, well, what am I going to be doing now? You know, what do I want to be doing? That really jumped out. So that led into the academic coaching. Mate, so Yeah, so it's like mentoring pretty much. Yeah, there's a lot of terms you can use for that mentoring is a part of it i think mentoring sits slightly different where um, the guidance is a bit more instructional okay whereas with the coaching is much more um, me asking the questions so you can come up with a solution yourself okay a word that i use over and over is empowering yeah you know so you need to, you know you need to empower the student so they have the solutions so the goal is that once young Sam has moved out of school and away from parents, he's taken what I talk about as the task model, the techniques, the attitudes, the skills and the knowledge that he needs to be successful not only in school but beyond school, into university, the workplace and in life ongoing. So that's more the academic coaching. It's not tutoring. Tutoring's more subject-specific. This is more a general learning and philosophy and, and how they're going to live their lives around their study and the balance in life. Um, and mentoring is a bit more sitting above and guiding. Yeah. This is really allowing the person to discover for themselves what is the next step. It's, it's the ultimate goal as a parent to do that to your own kids, uh, to empower them and let them think for themselves. Of course, too often uh, you, get, uh, you lose patience and you just want to tell them the answer to some things, but... I mean, you can see there's a crossover there with just everyday parenting even. Yes, there, there is. Um, but what I would say is there is a, a time frame for teenagers where parents are the last person you want to get the answer from. Yeah. You know, so there is that, that stage through life, you know, yeah. for both boys and girls where mum and dad are everything. And then that sort of transfers to is it the uncle or is it someone else that I'm looking to yeah. to be my role model? And mum and dad. So one of the big advantages I see with the academic coaching I do is it does remove, in part from the parents, that pressure to be the homework police. Yeah. And that, and that can cause a conflict in a, in a parent-teenager you know, relationship. It'd be common, I would say. It is, it, is, it is common and it's good to be able to remove that. So when yeah. I do my academic coaching, part of what I do is our coaching with myself and, and the student is done in confidence that you know mum and dad aren't going to hear about what we're talking about unless there is some issue I'm concerned about, you know, your mental well-being. Yeah. Then obviously that gets broken. But I do keep mum and dad informed. It might be a text at the end of yeah. the coaching session saying, you know, young Sam's doing great today. You know, yeah. he's on top of everything, all good. That gives them the confidence, but it also gives Sam the ability. Sorry, I'm using Sam. So use me. So <laughs> I'm um I'm Sam's in charge, he's empowered, he's taking control of the situation and he can share. It's not happening in the school, so he's not saying something to his teachers which is going to come back and bite him. You know, so there is that ability to be able to share, um, talk about issues that maybe you don't want mum and dad to know about or your teacher to know about, but you've got this person who you can, in confidence, talk about, bounce ideas off. Yeah. And my job is not to give you the answers but to allow you to come up with the answers just by some good questioning and conversation. I mean, it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, but tell me the difference between girls and boys. Uh, at different phases of their life, do they want to hear from their parents versus like the teenage boy, I assume, for the most part, and I, I don't know, I'm yet to go through that stage with my girl, but 
Uh, I mean, I quite clearly remember as a boy, teenager going through uh, and not wanting to listen to your parents because they're sort of too close mm. in some respects. Not, not that they were so, what they were saying was wrong because someone no. else could say the exact same thing and it just resonate. Mm. Uh, but tell us, is there a, have you found a difference with the genders on when they're at different stages? I think it's very easy just to say it's a boy compared to a girl thing. You know, in, in yeah. each case, you know, whatever, you know, whoever the student is that I'm working with, I really want to personalise what I'm doing for that particular student. You know, there may be some similarities between boys and the girls in those differences, but much more important to look at, you know, it's very easy to categorise, okay, so I'm dealing with a, a female student, so this will be the situation. Okay. No. Let's, let's find out. Let's, let's go through. And I go through a process at the beginning of any academic coaching you know, um, bundle that I do where we go through and we'll have a look at an academic audit. We'll do a personality test. We'll do a learning preferences. You know, so we go through okay. and really try and build that. But also by sitting and talking and listening, you can really find out what is important and what are the drivers, you know, what are the values that are under, you know, underscoring this person, this young person who's sitting in front of me. So that becomes... The important part of it, not to look at it as a, a gender. gender or where you've come from, you know, socioeconomic or anything else, or oh, big strapping sports person compared to not so. Let's just look at you as a person, and tie it to gender, socioeconomic or background, and then let's really build it. And I think the students will so appreciate that that there's not a prejudging. Yeah, let's find out what's going. I get that, and that makes sense now that you've explained that. So that's, I mean, everyone is so unique and different that it makes sense to be able to try and understand them and their personality types and uh, and what's important to them, I guess, is what you're saying, to, yeah. to then use that as a way to um, start your consulting with them. Tell me about the, the questions. Uh, I mean, let's go back to the example of the kids not doing their homework when their parents are the homework police. By you coming in to talk to them about it, does it does it then trigger that awareness inside of them that says, "Well, hang on, all of a sudden, I have some sort of responsibility here to take ownership of this and do it," versus being told to do it? Mm. Uh, is that is that a distinction there, or is there something different? There, there's there's a number of steps in what you do, and it really is you're looking for that aha moment when, oh, hang on. That's what's going on. So, so I do a number of activities, you know, with, with students when we first start. And if it is about that organisation, you know, those executive functions, which is primarily where I work, um, one of the first things we do is we have a look at a time audit and we go through and say, okay, Sam, let's go through and map out. Now, I talk about a magic 100 hours. Everyone's got 100 hours. So if you look, get up at 7 o'clock, go to bed at 9.30, you've got 12 and a half hours times 7, okay, we're about 100 hours. So let's go through and see how you spend that 100 hours. Now, most students will battle to come up with 100 hours. And suddenly there's 23 hours that I can't account for. <laughs> I, I can't even think what I did. <laughs> then as we start going through and having a look at how much they're spending on each of the different parts of their life and the balance in their life, okay, we get a real picture and, and suddenly Sam's looking at me saying, well, I don't know what I do in those 23 hours. And I didn't realise I was only doing six hours a week of homework thought I was doing a lot more than that. But as they break down and work through that process, the aha moment comes through. And so, Sam, do you think that's a good balance? You're spending 5% of your time on homework, 45% yeah. of your free time on rugby and your training and your gym and everything else. Yeah. What are your overall, you know, what are your goals for the end of year 12 or university? And is what you're doing helping you to get to there or yeah. not? You tell me. Mate, mate, this is, I mean, it's so simple, but it's... I mean, it's, it makes it seem so obvious when you're pitching it like that. Well, not pitching it, but when you're ex describing it like that and you're breaking it down to explain it like that. And it has to come from you. It has to come from the student. It can't be me saying, well, 45% rugby, 5% homework is wrong, Sam. You need to change that. You know, ask the question. Yeah. Pregnant pause. And Sam will say, I probably need to do a little bit more homework. Yeah. Okay, particularly if there's your goals that you want to get through. Your, your, your results are currently here. You want to get to there. This is how much time you're putting into it. What do you think you should do? Mate, this, it's, it sounds exactly, this rhymes exactly with, uh, I, mean, I mean, my paid, what I do is, is go and help businesses um, and small, medium-sized businesses do better. And quite often when you go in there, you say, well, what are you actually, what's your outcome? Like, mm. What are you optimising for? And 
no one's ever really sat down and thought, well, hang on, how did I get into this in the first place? Oh, I was looking for something to do and I got a job as a tradie and then all of a sudden mm. I've owned this business and now it's gotten – and I don't really have an outcome. But, to, but to defining the outcome, like you said, is what's your goal. But also knowing where you are right now is where we also have to start then and saying – so we get clarity on where we are right now so we're not sort of bullshitting each other. This is where mm. we are now. Yep. And then you've got the gap, which is what you've got to build a machine to be able to get from A to B. And even, even a step before those goals and where we are now, have a look at the core values – that, that sit beneath you. you know, what are the things that are important to you? And so for someone who's going through, and let's say it is that, that business person you're talking to, you know, what are the drivers? And go yeah. through a process you know, in, in coaching where we'll talk about chunking up and chunking down, getting to the higher value. So what will that get you? So what will that get you? Yeah. And in a lot of cases, it may well be security for my family. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's why you're trying to build this business. Okay, so if that's the thing that's important to you, now we've got a place to go. But understanding those values and those core yeah. beliefs that are sitting right underneath you then allows us to move forward. And, and what that does is actually get them to understand the why behind what they're doing, right? Yep. Yeah. So, mate, this led you this path, which is really interesting. Uh, you, you noticed that there was a, a gap out there for someone to be able to, not the teacher, not their parent, but someone to come in and say, okay, this is where we are, this is where you want them to go. Maybe their parents, are, does that happen as well, where their parents want them to go somewhere and the kid doesn't want to go in that direction? And that's in, in part can be also working with the parents because it yeah. needs to be, the parents need to be involved for some parts of what we're doing. Yes. And getting an understanding of where do we want to go and hang on, how much of that is you, Yeah. not the student? You know, so there is a lot of, and, and I'm, you know, I'm the same. I, I started off doing an engineering course and I would be the worst engineer in the world. <laughs> but it was a passion of my father's and all he ever spoke about was that he hadn't gone down that pathway. I was good at maths and science, so instead of becoming a senior chemistry mathematics teacher, I did six months of engineering and hated it. Mm. But that was a whole lot. of Not my dad's fault. I was just trying to make him happy and, and go down that way. There can be a bit of that. So unpicking that is important. Yeah. I think parents by and large, are better at that now and understanding that there's different pathways for their, their children to take and are mindful of that. Um, but certainly it needs to be a part of the parents understanding whose journey are we on. And yeah. So I always involve parents in the early conversation so they can be a part of it and see what we're going to be doing and what the ground rules are and what the parental involvement is. But they also need to be involved later on as we're starting to work through So. There's a lot of pieces to a puzzle, and those family dynamics and what's going on, you know, we need to be mindful of, um, and we can help the parents as well as the student. So, Gary, now we've got a bit of context behind mm. what you're doing, how you got to be where you are. You've been doing this now for two and a half years? Or well, yeah, in the academic coaching business has been for two and a half years, yes. but I'd, I'd argue probably the last 15 years I've been doing it. Oh, yeah, I got you, yeah, got you, yeah. go. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. That's, yeah, no, okay. So what are you seeing, and where I want to go with this, is what have you seen some of the major challenges when you've been sitting down with teenagers, I assume, mostly, mm. to map this stuff out? What have you been seeing that's coming through that's like, okay, here's a problem, here's a problem, it keeps coming up, and it's driven you to do something about it. So tell us about the challenges that you're seeing with this. Again, Sam, I would come back to there is so many different. And when you start personalising a program and looking at what the individual students you know, need. But, but commonly, you know, we're looking at um, never having been taught how to manage their time effectively. You know, how to prioritise, you know, get on top of things and really to plan out how they're going to spend their time. So there ends up being a lot of... Waste is a, is a bad word to use because it could be effective just the resting and relaxing and recharging, but, you know, unallocated time that people say, well, what happened to all of my time? So that becomes a bit part of it. Um, but then just as much of that, you know, I do a lot of work with, with students trying to, to flip a negative situation. So there can be a fair bit of time where if I don't get a great outcome for something, how long do I wallow in that negativity yeah. you know, to go through? And... All people do that. You know, if something happens that we didn't want to have happen, how long do we wallow in that negativity and woe is me before we can start flipping it and looking for what is the positive? 
I had a situation um, a number of years ago and I was going through the process of, whilst I'd been an educator for over 30 years, I wanted to go back and get more qualifications. If I was going to do this coaching, I wanted to be the best prepared, resourced coach I could be for the people who were going to come to see me. So I went back and did a coaching qualification, you know, International Coaching Federation accredited, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Yep. also did a, um, a master practitioner of hypnosis. So oh. I did those. But one of the things that we came up was this idea of, of flipping a negative and what is the positive. I was greatly annoyed. One of my nephews was staying with us and the bins never got emptied unless I did it. So there could be a recycling bin which is overflowing and me taking it out, and I could be grumpy about that all the time. Being able to then flip that and get someone to help me say, okay, well, what are the positives? Well, we have the resources to be able to fill a recycling bin. Well, how lucky are we that you know, we're at that point? And I've got a, a nephew who feels comfortable to be staying in our house. and So you can find the positives. The key Exercise. is how quickly, how quickly can you change the negative to a positive in your mind and not dwell on it too long. So for a lot of students, that ability so... One of the activities we do is, is, is being glad. So we talk about GLAD um, at the end of each day. What am I grateful for? What have I learnt today? What are the affirmations I'm taking from today? And some deep breathing before I go to bed. Not just that meditative process of some slow square breathing or whatever it is. So that's a process we do just to try and be grateful. And so that concept of gratitude is a big part of that as well. Yeah, I like that. Mm, it's yeah. it, it's it's powerful. It's it's very hard to be feeling grateful, and also be in a negative mindset. Yeah. You know, so if you can get your mind to flip into what are the things I'm grateful of, even if it's an overflowing recycle bin, you know what can I be grateful of out of this day? That's a great place to be in. And you know, for a lot of the students, that's an important thing. You know, um, I recently had a student who went through an IB program and quite a bright student, but in their English paper got themselves caught up about 30 minutes into a 90-minute paper and got into a very negative mind state. You know, had chosen, oh, I've chosen the pros, I should have chosen something else. But because of the work we'd been doing on flipping it, managed to turn it over very, very quickly. And she was very proud of herself when she came out of the exam. She said, oh, you'd be so proud how quickly I could turn a negative into a positive. I pictured some positive things, I thought about all the hard work I'd done and I was able to get into the spin. So that gave me goosebumps as a coaching experience that all the things we've worked on to help, we're making it better. Over your 30 years, have you are you seeing that kids are being better, able to cope with adversity, or are you seeing it? Is it are you seeing any trends? I, that is a really difficult question, and one that I've discussed with fellow educators as well. I'm more aware of the stresses the issues now than I was 30 years ago. Now, were they there 30 years ago when we were just a little bit more unaware? I think it's Good now way. it's it's now much um, more accepted to discuss when you are feeling stressed and you know your emotional wellness is not what it should be than it was previously. You know, we, we look now even at the models of uh, so the examples of some of the, um, the the cricketers who might take time off for mental health. That wouldn't have happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I think students are more comfortable to talk about the fact that they're not feeling well, but I also think schools and parents are also aware of. Um, are our students under under great pressure? Yeah, for some of them it is. It's very stressful, and COVID hasn't added to it. You know, in Queensland we've moved to a new assessment regime in the senior years of the ATAR with external exams at the end. That's added stresses and pressures, and that's fine as long as we are helping the students develop the, the techniques, attitudes, skills and knowledge, which is going to allow them to overcome that you know, and be able to step forward positively, but also take those techniques, etc., on into future life. So when they're not at home with mum and dad and someone as a sounding board, you know, can I tap into those resources that I've created, that I've, you know, that I've empowered myself with to be able to do that? You, you've, been, you've been noticing... Uh, I don't want to tell you, but I've read about it. <laughs> Screen time. Hmm. Let's talk about that and the rise of that that you're seeing with kids, certainly in the last couple of years. Yeah. I've certainly seen it's been more times where the screen time is becoming an issue now. Whether it's the primary issue or it's something which is coming out of that is is, is completely separate from there. But, but 
when I go through and I do that process of the time audit and we start looking at that, that time which is not used effectively, um, you know, which is impacting negatively, often it is a YouTube or a game or it's TikTok or it's something like that. Now, that may not be the primary cause. You know. The other thing we see with, with the screen, etc., is devices in the bedroom overnight and the impact on sleep and how well people are sleeping, and there's yeah. a lot of research on the, the negative impact if that sleep disturbance is occurring. Screens just before you go to bed, you know, screams for, screens, not screams, but screens first thing in the morning, you know, and potentially answering SMSs if your phone dings at one o'clock in the morning from that one friend who's up. So that becomes an, an issue. Um, the screen time obsession that I talk about, you know, and I, I spoke about today, you know, that is negatively impacting because it's, it's taking students away from the work they should be doing. It's impacting their academic performance, impacting their emotional well-being. So there's a lot of negative impacts there. Is it happening more and more often? Well, we have more and more access to screens. Yeah. Um, following this year of online schooling, are uh, we going to have more and more cases of students who are accessing screens as part of their learning? Most likely, but... I don't have an issue with that because that is an effective use and we'll continue to be using the screens in those ways. What we need to be aware of is those, those negative uses or those ineffective uses of technology and when they're starting to impact negatively on our lives and on the students' lives, that's where we need to step in and help them because, again, it shouldn't be an external control. It needs to be the internal control, that empowerment of the student that they've got the skills to be able to deal with that. And we can go through a very similar process of setting some goals, mapping out how they're using the time, you know, putting in place some potential rewards if they can achieve their goals over a short period of time, all of those things to help them. But they take control. They're supported by their parents. And if I'm involved, by me. But they have ownership of the solution as they're going through. So, yes, it is happening more often, but we do have more technology. I mean, the number of, stu the number of students who have access to a device is incredibly high, and most of them multiple devices. Access to the internet, yeah, multiple of them do that. So it is sitting there and it is a part of their lives. And for many students, it is their social network. Connection and form. Is, is part of that and you don't want to be separating yourself from that social connection that you have. Removal of the devices is not the aim. That won't work. Well... If what you're putting in place is an external control, what have you developed in the student for when they're not under your control? So a 17-year-old who has parents who take their phone off them at night, take devices, control everything, leaves home, goes to university, living out on their own, what, what skills? You know, you've sent them out there completely unprepared. So we want them to develop the skills while they've still got that support network around them inside the household. Not mum and dad saying, right, put your phone here, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, but work through it together. So the student has developed, you know, the young person has developed the strategies yeah. that they can take with them. You know, if all we've got is the external control, what are we going to do when the external control is not there? Yeah. And that's what I believe needs to be part of what we are doing, is empowering the young people to have their own solutions. I mean, it sounds so simple, uh, and and I like the smile on your face as you were talking about it because it was, it, it it is it is simple, but yet I don't think it's common. The biggest challenge is that, that parents, teachers, they love and they care for the kids who they're they're taking care of. So the automatic response is to give them the answer. Yeah, I know the answer. I'm just going to give it to you. Well, that's fine, but. Guilty. So much better if I can allow you to come up with a solution and that you own that solution. Yeah. And, and we're not just talking about, uh, you know, help for a homework. We're talking about actually giving them some control over being able to make decisions in the interests of themselves to achieve the outcome they want to achieve. And it may not just be. And when we talk going beyond results, the one thing we were... I was very specific about when I founded it was it's not just about academic results. We want it to be more than academic results. We want them to finish high school, finish university, where there is that balance in life 
you know, there is that emotional wellness as well as the achievements that they want. And this is in the workplace as well. I mean, predominantly I work with senior secondary and university students, but I have got mm. some you know, people who are out there in business who, you know, I coach them and, and help them to work through and to put some things in place so they're getting a better balance and they're able to flip a bad day in the office quicker than, you know, spent 48 years, 48, 48 hours, you know, kicking tyres on my car because I was so grumpy about something instead of spending an hour being grumpy and then flipping it into the positive and moving forward. So it's more than just the academic. This might be your sporting. It might be your friendships. You know, how can we start looking for all those positives? How can we set some goals to have balance in our life around all of these things? Without doing it in a way that's empowering, we can see how kids just get so addicted to and lost time, uh, ineffective time, in social media, in Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, SMSs, surfing the internet. I mean, you can see how easy, given no boundaries, no understanding, no empowerment, how they can run away with this stuff. Your program, uh, I mean, you're trying to break the addiction and obsession where where necessary. Um, tell us, tell us about that. I mean, I, I just love to find out about how time would be obviously one thing, bring making them conscious of where they're spending their time. But what other tools are you doing? So, when I go into the program with with a student. Again, it's always personalised for the student. So it's yeah. important to spend that time and to find out what's really going on. I would say for the majority of the students I have spent time with regarding screen time, the screen time is not the primary issue. Often it's a secondary. And it could be. I recently had a student, um, didn't go to a family event, had to stay home and study for an exam, and spent the Sunday 11 hours, tick-tock, didn't do anything. Oof. Now, that was a real procrastination so you need to dive in what was the issue there that you know they had 11 hours and didn't do anything so you could say that's a screen time issue but as you dive deeper in there there was a real issue with the fear of failure and that's what we had to deal with the screen time second or second consequence of the primary and if you just jump in and say right i'm going to confiscate you know that device you can't do it and you have to come to every family function well you've really missed so you do have to take the time to go through the program we put in place is both a conscious, which is the time audit, the goal setting, yeah. the rewards, putting that all in place and having some, some conscious activities, but it was also the subconscious. And we okay. approached that through a number of different, you know, but in particular with conscious hypnosis. Now, with the conscious hypnosis, it's not getting someone a quack like a duck or anything like that. I see it more as a guided meditation. And one of the most common um, hypnosis that... The students really enjoy is one which is high road, low road. We're taking the low road is your current pathway and you get all the things you're currently getting. The high road is harder, you've got to push uphill to get there, but you see all the positives that you will achieve. So putting that message into the subconscious through a guided meditation or you know, conscious hypnosis embeds that as well in, into, into the subconscious. And so we can start getting those messages that are going through. So a blend of both those conscious strategies that they can put in place and the subconscious, and then some other tools we put in place as well. So something like an anchoring, you know, a, a positive experience that you've had, and if you can think of that absolutely amazing positive experience that we can get you into state and then trigger that by touching with it your earlobe, a knuckle. Once you feel that need to jump onto the screen and do some YouTube, trigger that positive. Is that like the tapping? Is that what that's yep. about? Yeah. yeah. And so it's just looking, you know, so... You know, we can all look for those very positive experiences we have and find that, you know, some of the people I've worked with, particularly slightly older than, than the students, you know, just in, you know, those teenage students, but, you know, a bit of timeline therapy, going back to the time before you started looking at the screen, okay, and what changed and what caused that to happen? So why did that happen, you know, at this particular age that things changed? So there's a number of different strategies, but again, that comes from having a toolbox of strategies and then personalising the program to the particular person. And that only comes from asking yeah. questions, listening, getting to know, 
building up a rapport with the person so that when you're talking to them, they feel very comfortable to be able to share. And I guess mm. that's one of the strengths I, I, I bring because of doing this for 30 odd years and sitting down and making students feel comfortable about discussing their subject choices or their results or wherever it is. It's about to bring that so that the student does feel comfortable to talk, to open up and to share, and then we can start moving into finding out the real values and what's going on, those core beliefs, what we're trying to achieve, and we can tailor a program to suit them. Gary, what are some of the major concerns with screen time obsession or or the addiction of screen time? Like, where can it go if we don't get it right? Okay, um, as you talk this, there is, like in many things, there is research which will take you in two different ways. If you want me to create a case, I can for either side. So there's research out there which will do both sides of those. But some of the things that people talk to, you know, as I talked about, that, that idea of the sleep disturbances, et cetera, um, and the long-term impact on health, you know, for, for, for not getting good sleep. Physical, psychological. There, there is the, the physical, you know, so the less physical activity. We're talking about obesity. We're talking about, you know, diabetes, um, posture, um, you know, from hunched over looking at a screen, um, particularly if it starts early on, you know, the impact on eyes and myopia, um, that can be in there. But as well as that, there's the, you know, um, the social interaction and the reduction in social interaction and what's yeah. that doing is a long term. And if we're starting to form these addictive behaviours and if we are and people will argue about the impact of the dopamine hit um, you know but if we're doing that is that making us more you know, you know more likely to undergo other addictive issues in future so long term for me as an academic coach you know what I'm also seeing is so what's the impact on your pathway if you are bombing year 11 and 12 you can always get back on the pathway, but it's going to be harder. The most direct pathway is the pathway of doing well, doing the subjects you needed to do in year 11 and 12, getting into the course you wanted to do or into the work you wanted to do. Yeah. That negative impact there, you know, there's always another pathway to get to where you want to go to if it's important enough to you. But that direct pathway, as I drove from Brisbane to the Gold Coast today, I could have gone via Toowoomba. Yeah. But the most direct pathway was here, but if that road had been blocked, I could still get there, but it would have been not as effective. You know, the students who are allowing this screen time obsession or the ineffectiveness of what they're doing to impact their academic performance, they may shut some of the potential doorways that they had going forward. They might have to find an alternate pathway which mightn't be as easy, you know, going through. Some of the other uh, things you mentioned, high blood pressure, increased risk of depression, uh, suicidal tendencies due to poor sleep, um, decrease, yeah, pro-social, we spoke about that one, uh, social coping mechanisms. Uh, I mean, they're, they're important things. I mean, this is, this is a serious matter. Yes, it is. But without uh, not, not wanting to over-dramatise it, that is certainly one end of the spectrum of what can happen for students. There will be a lot of students out there who will... One of the things that comes back to me all the time is, oh, are you against gaming? No, I'm not. Gaming is is wonderful. It's a form of relaxation, entertainment, and also a bit of socialising for students if it's done and it's in a balance. Yeah. It's when it gets out of balance and it's impacting negatively on their life, that's when it becomes an issue. Now, those suicidal tendencies, et cetera, going through, that's down a spectrum. You know, that we, we you know, hopefully we're not going down there with, with too many of, of the students and the young people. But we do need to be mindful, and you know, what are those negative impacts of the screen time that they're doing, and also getting into co- what is the core reason for this. If it's not just purely an addiction to the screen time, what is it that's happening that's causing this to be the secondary? And you know, so, you know, what's that primary that's, that we need to find? And is the main primary you're saying is fear of failure? Is that is that what you see, or is it? There, there can be. I mean. Often, particularly with the social media, it is that being part of a group. A connection. Yeah, it's that social connection from there. You know, young boy who I, I was working with um, and he, he was up over 35 hours a week outside of school time on social media and he was missing complete assignment in school because he and his mates were Minecraft during the science lesson. Now, as we dug through it, 
his best friend had changed schools at the end of year nine. When he went into year 10, his new social group, the way they bonded was over Minecraft. So if he wasn't a part of Minecraft, he wasn't a part of that social group. So as we worked through, it wasn't the screen. Yeah. It was a social group to the point of, you know, 15-year-old boys setting the alarm for 1am and all getting up and playing. You know, that's the negative impact, you know, and lying to his parents about what he's doing and, you know, grandparents when they came over and babysat while mum and dad were away and things like that. So all those negatives which he felt incredibly guilty about, but they weren't coming because he was obsessed with the screen. Ultimately, he was, but the driving was, I've got to be a part of this social group. Yeah. You know, and some people say that's a FOMO situation, you know, um, you know, fear of missing out. A lot of that with the SMSing and that you can't miss a, an SMS in case something's happening. You know, there's those sides. So part of what we need to be helping students is to be overcoming that and developing that resilience inside them that it's okay. You know, and, and how else can you achieve those goals of the social interaction without that negative impact? I was going to say finding another way to fulfil that need. Yeah. Um, without without actually being isolated and not be, not being apart. And even more important, allowing Sam to find that way, not telling Sam how he's going to find that way to fill that need. Yeah. And. You know, yeah. How else can we do that? Now, for that young guy, he was uh, very much into uh, flying and he really, pilot was his goal. And the negative impact on his results meant that he was a big chance of not getting there. Yeah. So as we embedded the, the program for him and he came up with what he needed to do, what was going to be the reward at the end of term, well, you know, about birthday time, a drone, and then he and Dad would go flying the drone. So he was meeting yeah. this need of his aviation passion, etc. He was still gaming to a certain extent by flying this drone, you know, okay, then how can you tie the social interaction together? And, you know, that oh. ended up being for him, he wanted to join Air Force cadets, and he did. And he had a new friendship group tied to Air Force cadets who weren't all gaming, they were all keen on this pathway, but he was still meeting needs. But he came up with those things. The future pacing idea is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the way that you try and bring it forward to say, well... If you don't do that, this is what you're going to miss out on. And if you truly do want that as the outcome to be in the Air Force or, or to be a pilot, hmm. then the grades that you're going to get as a result of what you're doing uh, aren't going to get there. And that challenge still then to be asking the questions instead of saying that. Yeah. So what grades do you need? Yeah. Do you think you will achieve those grades based on where you're going? What would you need to do? So that questioning, yeah. allowing him to come up not going to get there if I keep doing this. Okay, well, what could you change to do that? What other way could you achieve that? So just that, that questioning process which allows the student to open up and empowers them to come to the solution. And so then as we sit down and as part of our proactive active reflection, so you know they're sitting down on a daily, weekly basis, reflecting on how they've gone, putting into place action, either I'm going to retain this or I'm going to remove this from my week so that they can move forward, you're not holding them accountable to someone else's standards. It's the standards that they put in place for themselves. So you said you were going to be doing mm. this, this and this. How'd you go with that? Oh, I didn't make it on this night. So I often get students to give themselves a rating each day out of 10 on how well they went with achieving their their goals. Okay, so you gave yourself a 7 out of 10. I was tired, I didn't do any homework. Okay then, that's, that's fine. So what are you going to do to, oh, I thought I'd do more on here. So allow them to come up with the rules of engagement, so to speak. So it's not, you will do this, this and this. Ask the questions, allow them to come up with it, let them have the ownership of what the solution is. Mm. It's it's a very, it's very slight distinction, but it's it's a crucial one to, to make, isn't it? Because it's so easy just to jump in there and tell talk at your kids or tell them the result mm. as opposed to empowering them, which is what you the term you use, which is great. And I've got to say, Sam, some of the most interesting coaching sessions has been when I've turned to a mum and dad and said, and now you stay quiet. Mm. Okay, Sam, tell me about this. A mum and dad are both wanting to jump in and give a solution and it's almost... You don't have the talking stick. You're, yeah. you're observing. You're not part of this conversation always done respectfully, but parents understand. This needs to come from him, otherwise it's your solution, not his solution. When you said 35 hours, I mean, I was just like, it's almost a full working week. 
that the kids can be spending on this stuff consciously or not consciously uh, either way but it's still i mean it's so easy how it can happen and mm. the hours can just escalate and you know look, people will talk about the algorithms of a, of a tiktok of that young girl you know it's just hitting the next thing that she's liking and going through so she's going to be fed that you know a youtube you know i, mean, I love my rugby you know and if I sit and flick on a YouTube, I tell you, I can find a million. You know, here's when John Eels kicked yeah. his goal, and his and easy, it'll yeah. it'll just keep feeding. Yeah. You, know, you know, you know, my little pathway. You know, as it goes through, so that's very easy to happen. But that's what they're designed to do. Those things, and developing those strategies that allows you to, right, what is it that I'm going to be doing? How am I going to change this? Will they get it right first time? Of course not. Um, but we need to be continually working through a process and that proactive active reflection done regularly where they're looking at what they've done you know what went well what didn't go well what would I change for next week what would I keep the same next week great am I getting towards my goal of where I need to be and owning that and adjusting that which is what they'll need to do in later life themselves when they're out there they'll have to review their weekly life there won't be a mum and dad telling them what to do when they've got their own house and their own kids etc so Reflect on what's going on, what I'm going to change, what I'm going to keep going mm. and move forward. Are you seeing in the driving force behind kids spending time on their screens or excess times, I should say, on their screens, are you finding that because of the age that we're living in with access to technology and, and how digital everything is, compared to previous generations, do you feel like the underlying problem or or need that they were craving or finding trying to fill are similar between generations so for instance the fear of failure or the uh fear of the wanting to be connection i mean are we seeing that the driving forces are the same but the way that they're doing it now is different also think the, the access because you have a device which is by your side basically yeah. all the time particularly with a mobile phone i mean there's there's not many 15 to 17 year olds who won't have access to a mobile phone it's there and that's giving that instantaneous and you're getting that instantaneous feedback of someone responding to your sms or if you post on facebook you get the ding of a like or a whatever it is it is instantaneous and that gives you that nice little positive feeling but it's so easy you know, that's probably the difference now is that you have such an ease of access mm. into that world now were there students 20 years ago who were finding ways to ineffectively use their time. Sure there were. You know. And what were the ways? Often quite different. You know, Daydreaming. Going out. You know, yeah. A good friend who was a very good hockey player and he'd go and flog hockey balls into the back of a, a hockey goal box you know, for hour on end. You know, that was his way of disengaging from schooling and, and, and everything else. You know, now he ended up playing at a very decent level, so <laughs> maybe it wasn't the worst thing for him, but people could find ways to disengage. It's just much easier now. Okay, and... Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I, I would love to know what the parents' role is in all this because, I mean, I see what you write with those words, screen screen time obsession and i know a lot of parents have a problem with screen time obsession as well i mean how do we, how do we deal uh, and and are you somewhat does your program also help parents certainly in that introductory um, session where we sit down with the parents and the the client the you know, the, the student there you know, the parents role in this does become part of it and often the students will say well you have your phone at dinner you know yeah. you're always on the internet after you know, you take your laptop on, onto your lap while we're watching TV, you know, and and it does provide an opportunity to ask the parents, so is there anything that you could do to help young Sam? Oh, I suppose we could have technology-free dinners. Is often one that comes up. That's, that's a great starting point. So is that something that the whole family be be happy with? And you'll often hear a voice from another room, a, a sister or whatever, going, no, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that needs to be part of it. And often parents will, and they'll be part of the solution. So for that boy's... Dad, the drone and going out on a Saturday afternoon flying the drone was taking him away from his office work and things, yeah. getting a break there. So does it provide a chance for parents to realise how much they're using the technology in front of their kids, what the role model is that they are being? Yeah. Now, that's not always the case, you know, mm -hmm. but there certainly are cases where the parents are as bad, if not worse. Yeah. You know, and that whole 
checking your emails, your, your Facebook, whatever, that last minute before you go to bed. And if you're going to be telling young Sam not to be doing that, then yeah. how, are you, how are you role modelling that? So. Yeah, and that role modelling is an, an important part, isn't it? Because kids see what you do rather than hear what you say. Particularly if, if, if they're putting their hand up to say, I'm going to be doing X, Y and Z, but okay, mum and dad aren't. You know, that, that then you get this contradiction of what's important. And so, so that does become an important part of it. But again, this is not something I as a coach am going to drive. I'm simply going to ask the questions and that is one of the challenges of the coaching is to allow the pregnant pause while everyone thinks and waits for you to give them the answer and asking that next question which is going to allow them to go deeper and get to the real reason things are happening. Garrett, I'd be interested to in get your thoughts on balance. Now, I, I and this is something that I've, I've heard a lot of different takes on, but, I mean, there's different phases of your life. You, you're never going to be imbalanced. Not everything's going to be equal in your buckets. And so uh, when you refer to balance, you're referring to the balance that things need to be in in order for them to achieve or to prioritise the things that they really want to focus on. Because, I mean, academics, being at school is is going to be skewed up. Your social life won't be as much as that will be, or your training. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all variant, but it's uh, one of these myths that people talk about is getting their life in balance. And I'd just be interested to get your, your thought on that. because I it's, And I think you've, you've touched on it already there, Sam. And, you know, we've just been through the external exams in Queensland and I've been working with a number of Year 12 students, helping them work through that process. And we go through the process of what is balance and say, well, in the next three weeks, there won't be a balance. <laughs> you know, that's okay. But after that, the balance will flip the other way. Yeah. You know, so it's important. Again, I would come back to each person is going to have what is a different balance. If yeah. you are the elite sports person, then maybe 20-something hours involved in your sport is fine and that just means you don't have a part-time job and your social life isn't the same. doesn't mean you don't have a social life. Um, when we do the time audit and we go through and we map out how much time they're spending in each of the areas of their life and they come up and they'll come up with the percentages or we do it in almost like a weekly planner and I love colour, you know, so a bit visual. Yeah. So they'll colour code and they'll have a look at it and say, okay, well, how does that look to you? Oh, there's not much red there. Well, what's red? <laughs> Red's family time. Okay, so do you think you need to adjust that? I'm not going to tell you to adjust <laughs> that, but you've got down here that you're spending two and a half hours with your family and that's breakfast. That's the only time you're with them. Is that enough? Because you've told me previously that family's important to you. It's one of your core values is being a part of your family. Is that enough? And go to the question. For another person, that could be completely different. You know, so again, it comes down to that. You know, and most people know if they're out of balance. Yeah. If you allow them to look at it and talk it through. So you've got down here, you're going to do 12 hours a week of homework. Do you think that will meet your needs? You know, what is that? Okay, you've got this much time with your friends. Okay, well, one of the categories we, we get them to highlight is relaxation time. Okay, you've got 37 and a half hours relaxation time. How do you think you're going with that? 12 hours of homework, 37 and a half hours free time to watch movies, to, maybe I need to adjust that, okay? What do you think would be a better balance? But it's going to be different for each person. Yeah. But most people tend to know when they're out of balance. And relaxation time will mean different things to different people too, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Relaxation time might be taking the dog for a walk. Relaxation time might be laying on the bed listening to music. Relaxation time might be on the phone to your friend or going over to your friend's place. It could be gaming. Could be Netflix. that's exactly, that's fine. You know, what we want to do is just be conscious in how we're using our time to get that balance. Do you get them to record what they're doing within that category? Um, in some, yes. In some, not. So if, okay. if, if, it's, if it's homework and we're going through and saying, okay, how much homework, one of the challenges with students you'll find is they'll do the homework in the subject they like and they find easy. Yeah. You know, well, physics is really hard. How much physics do you do this week? Or oh, about 20 minutes. Okay. Is that we so in that category we do you know in other areas yes but if it's just the relaxation they might want to list down what they're doing they might not again this is a, a conversation for them mm-hmm. do you think it's important to know how much Netflix compared to walking the dog you know you know how much family time you know those sort yeah. of things so um, it sounds like a bit of a, almost a cop out by me but it yeah. is so personal yeah 
And if I go in with a one-size-fits-all, you know, you often don't fit any at all. It would be most parents' dream for their teenage kid to put down family time as a value <laughs> that would be important to them because uh, if they don't, do you say, oh, well, do you think family time would be important? Do you try and get them to the result or is it... When we... Look, I, I guide with... Um, you know, the different categories which is there. So there is time at school, there's time for homework, there's yeah. time for sport, there's time for family, there's time for relaxation. So they have a number of categories. They get the chance to add any extra categories. But as they okay. go through, it does become pretty obvious if there's zero family time. And they go, and sometimes they scramble to come up with that. Oh, well, we do have dinner together on a Sunday night. All right, so we've yeah. got 45 minutes for the week. Okay, that's so. But again, it's personal and it's different. And some families... Huge time. And it could be just driving the kids to school is what's considered as family time. Yeah. And they do talk and go through. So it can be different. Yeah. Um, Gary, uh, as we look to the future, what do you think are going to be some challenges coming up that we'll need to address as it relates to kids going through school, the stresses? What do you think is going to be coming through in the future? I, I think the concept of mindfulness with students is, is at the forefront of a lot of educators' minds and it's going to become more important to us as we're going through. Um, that concept of gratitude, you know, I think that answers a lot of the questions that we need. If we can have our students reflecting you know, on what they're grateful for, you know, drawing breath. Um, see a number of schools now where more um, meditation and yoga is coming in as part of the daily practice in schools and that's magnificent. You know, yeah. So... Resilience um, is something we need to continue working on and it's something, yeah, I mean, I, I teach some classes in a, in, a, in a school and that's part of what we try and build in there. We have pit lessons where they have to sit there and battle themselves through some, some tough questions without any support and help. Yes. That can get frustrating, but we need to build that resilience you know, in our students so as they come through, they're better able to cope with the difficult situations. But I think if that's what we work towards is a more conscious understanding of how they're spending their time you know, being yeah. mindful of what's going on and having some strategies in place that allows them to myself defrag what's going on or um, knowing how to access someone who's going to help them do that. And flipping is one of the great things I, I, I try and embed in all the students I work with, that ability to take, when I've got a negative situation, what is the positive? Yeah. You know, lemons out of lemonade is, is how one of my... You know, people talked about it. That's what you're always trying to get us to do. Mm. You know, make the lemonade. You know, yeah, well, that's not a bad analogy. I like that one. So that ability to flip. You know, what's the negative situation? What's the good part of it? And how can I get myself back on track as quick as possible? Gary, it's been really interesting. I've learned a lot listening to you talk today. Uh, is there any, any final comments you want to make? Anything else? How can people get in touch with you? Um, Going beyond results, we're, we're on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Gary Bruce. Yep. Um, if, if people want to, you know, we do a lot of work with students. We also do some workshops, um, but we also offer some, you know, some, some free online courses, things like that, which, which people can take on board and use. Um, we're about to start the restart. Our podcast is coming up in the next couple, and that'll be available through you know, Spotify, cool. etc. Yeah. Um, so you know, just look for Going Beyond Results there, and you'll find there's a number already up, but there'll be more coming up, and... And this year's focus really is on strategies to help students survive 2021. Coming out of the COVID in 2020 has been very different. Um, have we developed some bad habits and have we got a little bit of angst built up inside of us? So what are the strategies? So I'm tapping into some wonderful educators who are going to come on board and, and talk about their five key strategies for you know, absolutely thriving through 2021. So. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, be... it's good. Yeah, keen to hear about that. So, uh, and also with uh, with regards to your stuff, do you do workshops at schools and stuff as well? Not so much at, at, at workshops at schools, more tra target through sporting clubs, etc. Okay. Um, you find a lot of schools, they have their own programs in, embedded already. Um, so it's people who are looking for something you know, separate from there. So, so tap into a number of sporting clubs and, and other areas to be able to access, um, do parent talks, you know, helping your child, you know, thrive, you know, in, in the senior years. Um, and then we also have obviously the, the screen time obsession, you know, program that we, that we offer for people to help them overcome, you know, if there is an issue with regards to the screen time and their student and if that's impacting them negatively. So 
Now we have a number of programs that we do for senior secondary, early university, which is a danger time. You know, yeah. There's a huge negative impact if you don't make it through first year university, yeah. even if you fail subjects. And that's a time when they are away from the scaffolding of the house and the school. Yes. Uh, and that can be a dangerous time. So just having a, a mentor, a coach who can help students through that period it's not tying them to answering to mum and dad or to the school teacher or whoever, but just a, a voice there that they can talk to and just make sure that they're on board you know, with, with where they need to be. That makes perfect sense. And listen, I'm just grateful that I've got the chance to talk to you and hear all about what you're up to. And mate, I, think, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And uh, I mean, bringing to the conscious mind of the kids where they're spending their time and that time management I know a lot of adults that could do with this stuff as well. So I think it's I think it's really good, a really good school to, skill to teach young kids. And, uh, mate, I'm grateful you're out there doing it. So all the best with it and thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having, having us on today, Sam. I've really enjoyed it as well. Easy. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.